0: Hello 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 and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. So before I go into today's episode, the today's episode is mainly is from the clients that I'm working with at the minute and I love these episodes because it gets me thinking and a little bit some of the questions are a little bit out of my comfort zone as well. So it's important to look at and and kind of understand there's different everyone's going to be different. And there's kind of nutrition questions loads of different things there's mindset questions which is great as well and there's some sciencey information to it as well so every week we have a live q a from the we already have next week's questions which is great so before i'm going to go into the actual episode of the podcast the next female fat loss program is going to be starting on monday the 13th of february so just before valentine's day and what the program involves is tailored calories tailored nutrition recipe books weekly check-ins with myself weekly lives and then you also have me on a facebook group with like-minded people where people are are interacting sending pictures of their food in looking for advice loads of different questions are kind of coming in there's about a 70 to 75 percent retention rate and what i mean by that is 70 75 percent of people who do one end up doing another because they see the benefit in doing it the biggest thing that i work on with clients is looking from it more of a like a what you do on an average daily basis rather than doing a taken meal by uh, by just one meal ruining your progress we take it as a weekly calorie average we remove that all or nothing mindset and we work on small little wins each week to get you to your goal the results have been spectacular. The mindset changes have been spectacular. So if you're interested in working with me in a group coaching capacity, the price is 169 for six weeks and it starts on Monday the 13th of February. So the link is in the show notes. Pop me a DM if you want more information and I hope you enjoy the episode of the, the Q&A with the clients. Hey guys, so thank you so much for doing the, the q and I'm really, really looking forward to this. So whoever is listening to this, who is listening to this as a podcast, it is... These are questions that come in from the Female Fat Loss Group, which is the six-week program that I am currently running. And it's the first week at the Q&A with the, the new group. And some of the some of the things that are happening, some of the major wins that are happening at the minute are are, are epic to see so far, first thing in your, in your in the first week. So some of the questions that have come in are really, really interesting and they haven't been asked before, which is pretty cool. And it kind of keeps me on my toes. I had to do a little bit of research on one or two of the things. Which was, which was cool to see. So one of them was in relation to hitting a plateau with uncertain lifts, example, say a squat and how to progress them. And I'm gonna talk you through that. If you're tired, should you increase your calories? Or should you do something else? Uh, so what the question really is, when tiredness is affecting concentration, craving food for energy, should I increase my calories? I'm gonna rejig that question, reword it. Uh, the other question was, it, it, apple cider vinegar can it help with psoriasis? Can it help with cholesterol? Can it be, help with hair? All that side of stuff. So I'm going to be careful with that one. Then we've got, is it okay to not weigh food for my fitness pal? And then the last one is, all, is all cardio built equally? And the rest of that question is, are you better off getting steps in daily? Or if you struggle with that, adding more intense cardio workouts with the end workouts. So I will answer the squat one first so the squat one in particular um helps a lot of people can get bogged down with when to increase the reps or when to increase their squats and it is a really really useful exercise and for those who have the mobility to do it um and it for, it is a great exercise for the posterior chain For and there are many very different variations, tempos that you can use and I use different types. I use goblet squat, I use squat, I use Bulgarian split squats. There's loads of different squats that you can use and I've been very, very fortunate to have experience lifters and I've been very, very experienced to have someone who has is a complete and blank canvas that you can actually work with them and build up confidence. And one of the things that I pride myself on with the one-to-one coaching is I have a look at people's form and they send over the videos. I use a software that allows me to watch the video and draw lines onto the actual software itself. And that's really, really helpful. And it's just minor, minor tweaks. And I know I've had coaches before that have done it as well. And it's really, really great. And it's a big highlight for me when I start to see form going up first, getting that right and getting the foundations correct first. And then you start seeing the numbers go up, start seeing the reps go up. And it's it also has an expiry on when the numbers go up with your squat. And it's really important that progress is not linear and it's sometimes you're going to hit a plateau which is you kind of level off when you can't like if you think about it if you add on five kg on every single week you're going to be lifting a hell of a lot of weight and it, it, it's just not possible so one of the things that one of the main things you can look at and you can record yourself if you don't have a coach if you're listening to this is improving your technique it doesn't sound sexy uh, but it's usually the first variable I normally look at with, with clients and looking to kind of progress uh, progress additional plateaus and kind of trying to progress the plateaus themselves. And your body can be kind of placed into a position to have as much potential to be lifting those numbers that you're trying to look for. But the way we move and the me- the mechanics that we have, we need to look at it from the most advantageous way. And if we don't move in an advantageous way, because most of us are sitting at a desk all day, we may not reach our full potential so we need to work on it there is not necessarily kind of one technique that's best for everyone some people may, may need to raise up their heels in order to stop them going leaning forward completely some people prefer box squats some people prefer goblet squats some people will need to open up their legs a little bit more some people will have the need to do a little bit of mobility work and this can really really differ from everyone like there could be ankle mobility hip mobility knees issues all these different kind of things and different structures with the limbs. Some people have long femurs, some people have short femurs. And it really, really does depend. Does depend on things. So you also need to look at right. Are you creating tightness in your body? Are you tight? So one of the lot of things that can happen is when people say brace your core. A lot of people will kind of take a big deep breath in, and they will end up going really, really red in the face. You haven't. You you've just sucked in there. You just inhaled. So a really, really easy way to kind of are you are you Bracing your body enough is imagine someone's about to punch you in the stomach. That's bracing your core. That's bracing your core. I can do it right now, but I'm still talking. I'm still not out of breath. So a lot of people, when when they're at the top of the squat, they don't brace enough, or they don't know how to brace. And what can happen then is when they're at the bottom of the squat, they're not braced. And what can happen is the bum can start to butt wink, or their core can go, and they just they're not they're not steady. Think of it like a house. You need to have a steady foundation. So you need to create enough tightness in the body so it's rigid, so it comes up solidly together. Are you bracing when you squat? Are your hips, hips shooting up too early when you drive up out of the squat? Are you butt-winking at the bottom of the squat? So you need to look at, maybe take a video of yourself and see if there are many, like there are many variables to it. The best thing to do is film yourself. Um, this will give you a huge amount of feedback and will reveal areas to kind of look at. The other thing that you can do is use a variety of squats. So I like to program different varies of squats and those have been with me for a long time have a variety of squats in them. These could be high bar, these could be heels elevated high bar, they could be front squats. uh, And sometimes you'll often end that we plateau in one squat and it's good time to progress onto a different version for themselves. So take the low bar squat itself. It's more of a hip dominant squat movement. And often when the weight gets very, very heavy, lifters have a tendency for the hips to shoot up instead of knees. And this and hips working in synergy. So this is a sign your body is moving away from the weakness, which is the quads, and moving towards the strength of the posterior chain. So I would program kind of a, a heels elevated. Um, bar um high bar squat instead which is a more quad dominant uh, exercise for someone and then we address the, the weakness and we focus on building up that weakness and focus on that for a few phases the other one is that we can bring in a little bit more squats into someone's program so if for a client aiming to progress a squat what can really help is usually a minimum of two sessions a week is kind of where we bring it in so squatting once a week is not enough to bring rapid progress up for some people and the squat is a skill it's a unique skill And a lot of people can do it very, very, but poorly. And that just takes practice. That takes coaching. That takes a little bit of patience, which is a lot of people don't really like. And what we can do is the more practice we have at it, the better the skill can be. So if you're recording yourself more often, you can kind of see that individual progress as you kind of go along, taking videos and comparing the videos to each other. So when I get lifters who have been training for a while, like a year or two, and they're kind of that squat plateau. The first part of the programming I really look at is increasing their squat frequency to two sessions a week. Now so that's what I try to do with the one-to-one clients. A little bit more difficult with the, the female fat loss program because yes, there's about a 70% retention rate with people kind of renewing their um renewing their kind of course with me or their sign-up with me, but it's more difficult for me to progress that for them unless they state it on their sheet and so everyone i have to i have to treat everyone like a beginner unless they state different and it's one of the the, the things on areas onto the actual sheet another thing that could be is that we need to reduce the actual squat volume so it's the exact opposite of what i kind of spoke about a second ago and remember that everyone kind of listening to this will be uh, at different levels and different abilities uh, when it comes to different programs. For, so for some clients, they come to me after kind of under recovering uh, or performing a very high squat volume for extended periods of time. And what can happen is their body feels a little bit sore, body feels a little bit more beat up, they feel mentally drained after the session. So this may be a good opportunity for a break from squats or we can replace the barbell squat with kind of something like a hack squat machine or replace the low bar squat with the heels elevated bar squat which places less demand on the lower back to kind of help manage fatigue. And a few short weeks of kind of regressing that squat can lead to uh, someone kind of feeling a little bit more rejuvenated. So there's two ways. You can either squat more frequently or you can deload the squats if you're feeling fatigued. Like If you're rest, stress, all these different things are not on point, your nutrition, all these kind of things, then you may need to go on a deload. So you could change your exercise order. So you'd probably need to probably do your squats at the beginning. In your workouts, look at the big compounds like your deadlifts, your ODLs, your squats, your bench. And there's other ones as well that you do them at the beginning of the workout. You're gonna have more energy at the beginning of the workout so you can put more energy and focus into those and you'll see the numbers going up. Potentially another thing that a lot of people may not look like is is kind of decreasing the deadlifts for a phase so the deadlift is kind of often seen as kind of like the king of exercises and it uses an awful lot of muscle t- muscle tissue if done correctly but also use a, uh but using a large amount of muscle tissue also means more fatigue or more kind of um yeah more fatigue on the central nervous system as well so if if you want to be squatting and def- deadlifting more frequently well then that what be potentially what a powerlifter would normally do I don't really train powerlifters, I'm generally training someone who's new to training, one to three years training, and a little bit more if needs be. So how you need to look at it from lifters who are not powerlifters and don't have to deadlift. You can use the strategy of a few training phases with deadlifts or without deadlifts. And I use this kind of chopping and changing a little bit with clients as well. And regressing the deadlift allows you to, allows me as someone designing the program to distribute the training volume more to the squat for the, the, for that period of time and focus more on that and increasing the volume for that short time could be that we decrease the volume for it on the deadlift a little bit more and putting more focus onto it. You could focus on tempo so rather than just going kind of slut drops you could just go slow slow on the way down so you could do one and a quarter reps one and a half reps you could do tempos like five zero one zero which is kind of five seconds down pause for one second and up so it could be two or three second pauses at the bottom and after four weeks of pause squats you'll be surprised how much easier the normal squat could be for you as well look at your core strength warm yourself up could be beforehand so don't go straight into heavy workouts or go into heavy squats straight away and then utilize the the kind of like the, the last one I'm going to talk about is utilizing various different rep ranges and not all of us want to be powerlifters going for one rep maxes all the time I generally don't recommend most people testing the one rep max um A lot of us want more muscle, a lot of us want a little bit more definition, a lot of us want that kind of feeling comfortable in our clothes. So say you want to improve your six to eight rep uh, max for squats, that's great. That doesn't mean you can only squat in six to eight rep range. Uh, I use a a simple and effective strategy I try to use with clients is more hypertrophy focused uh, to break through the strength plateaus to use training phases of lower reps. I find reps that have that they have not been trained previously and try to attack those weak links. So that could be really helpful. So example, if I get a client who usually squats eight to 10 reps on a squat, um, I normally bring that up to kind of more hypertrophy, which is 12 to 15 or above. And my plan is to attack that for a 12-week phase and see that, that, that progression going up. And then it also can help to if like if you're ultimately by doing that you could see an improvement of adding 10 to 20 kg to the improvement of someone's 5 kg max by doing that don't be afraid to try different rep ranges so say if you are consistently at 8 to 10 reps or 8 to 12 reps whatever it may be what you could do is you could lower the rep ranges at about a 6 to 8 or 3 to 5 and try that for yourself or if you're consistently at 3 to 5 bring up the reps and try and test that but there's loads of different things there normally take look at technique use variety squatting more frequently deloading them exercise order decreasing the amounts of deadlifts the tempo core there's loads of different things and that can be overwhelmed if i was to start somewhere with all of that i would look at my form i would look at my is there issues with my form is there mobility issues in my ankles or my femurs long and look at my form there and see do i need to go on a box squat do I need to uh, bring up my heels and then I would ask the question right if I can master my technique well then I can start to progress and that could be adding more reps that could be adding more to the bar and then you can play around with your rep ranges and stuff like that and then just maybe if it's very hard to overtrain, it's very easy to under recover and what I mean by that is it's very hard to have as much volume on the body that it just can't recover but a lot of people can under recover because they're not managing their stress, their nutrition's poor, not drinking enough water. Every uh, Life is on top of them. So that can happen. So hopefully that helps to answer that question. Um, what The next one is in relation to apple cider vinegar. Okay, so the question that kind of came in regarding the apple cider vinegar is, can it help to reduce psoriasis? Can it help with cholesterol? Can it help with the kind of like skin? So it's been one of these home remedy things for a long time. And it's one of those things that I'll always say to someone like, it is vinegar. It doesn't taste very nice. So yeah, so it, it it you need to look at and look and check the claims that are out there on the products. And anything that kind of says something basically with nutrition, if anything's too good to be true, you need to question it. If anything's definitive in nutrition it's by saying yes or it's a no you need to question the kind of who's paying for the study and you need to also question what's the point of the study and look at what type of study it is so you need to understand that there's different types of it you can come in tablets can come in the actual drink itself it can come in a liquid form and sometimes when it's the actual liquid itself you need to water it down to in order to have it so you can have it in drinks tea smoothies whatever it may be but you need to check the. You need to talk to a dermatologist if it's if you're doing something with your psoriasis. You need to talk to a dermatologist if it's something to do with your skin. So you need to make sure that that's number one. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a dermatologist. I can talk it from a nutrition point of view, but I'm not going to sit here and recommend recommend yes or no. What I can give you is is the 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 benefits of it. There's, it's often said that it can help with weight loss that's mainly due to it looks at the, the studies that are out there on its improving weight loss is mainly due to it can de, it help it may help to decrease appetite and if it, something decreases appetite well then you're, you're going to be less likely to eat more there's some things are saying reducing cholesterol, blood sugars and diabetes but there's very 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 little. Uh, Clinical evidence to actually support these claims and a lot of the studies that I've gone through in preparation for this they have kind of the ones that have supported it have generally been had some sort of bias or some sort of um someone else someone has paid for it that may be benefiting from it and more research is is kind of needed for that but you need to look at it from if it's if it's to help with psoriasis you need to look at it from a point of view there might be other like from what i can see from the helping with psoriasis is it's painful it's uncomfortable and it's one of those things that can make you very very self-conscious i've seen it with mates before you have it and it's it's important to make sure that you are talking to your dermatologist there are anecd- there is anecdotal evidence uh, so some people may see benefits but that doesn't mean that everyone sees a benefit that's what I can see from the study so far. So there are studies, uh, the the studies are quite small, the ones that have seen the benefit, so I can't give a definitive. Um, There are other options like creams, there's medications, there's injections, there's physiotherapy, there's aloe vera, there's kind of like looking at some of your nutrition, reducing alcohol, looking at your lifestyle, like it's not going to be, psoriasis isn't generally caused by the nutrition, but it can be aided, some elements, so one of the big ones that I would kind of look at, right, are you are you out in the piss every weekend? If you are, it's not gonna really help the psoriasis. And I know people are like, Well, I wanna have a life as well. It's like I one hundred percent get that. But it's kinda of like if you're out in the pace all weekend every single weekend, that's not gonna age you and not gonna help your energy levels, all these different things. So it's kind of weighing up what's more important. And I don't want that. that doesn't mean give up your life. That doesn't mean you have to give up your life. It's just making sure that you talk to your doctor to see exactly what's kind of going on from that side of things. So there's anecdotal evidence to support it, but it doesn't mean that it's actual clinical research. So for some cases it actually may worsen symptoms with skin or with psoriasis as well. If you are using it, you must dilute it. Uh, so, but I would always recommend talking to your dermatologist before trying any of the DIY treatments that are are out there. So, yeah, that's basically the two cents on that. Um, the next question is: Is it okay not to weigh food for my fitness pal? The answer is yeah. You don't have to weigh food with my fitness pal. Does it help? And it cannot help. Yes. And um, the reason why I can help some people is it's, it's like my fitness pal, counting on calories on my fitness pal isn't 100% accurate. And there are other episodes I've done on that. It's not 100% accurate. Even dietitians who are the level above, so they work in clinical settings and hospitals, they even have a margin of error of about 20 to 30%. Then you also look at the labels that you're looking at the back of foods, which a lot of people, unfortunately, can't are are unable to uh, read. Uh, So I may do a post on that, that the those calories are about could be 20 to 30 percent off. So imagine you get 20, 30 percent less of your salary. You'd notice it. So it's the same thing with calories. So the reason why kind of weighing your food can help at the very beginning is it's a little bit more accurate it can be a little bit more time consuming. It can be a bit more controlled and make you feel uncomfortable. So it's important to understand what works for you and what doesn't work for you. It gives you a little bit more accurate representation. It also allows you to understand and educate of how many calories are in certain things and what, say, 30 grams of oats actually looks like. Because we as humans, we're awful at knowing how many calories are in things. We're awful at knowing portion control as well, so it's really, really important to kind of look at if you are weighing. If you don't want to weigh your food, don't. If if you find that you're and you're not weighing your food, what I would say is, and you're still seeing results for X amount of time not weighing your food, then there's no need. If you suddenly come to a point where you're being adherent you're matching your steps up, you're getting your sleep, measurements and weight stall, debt and photos don't improve, well then it may need that, you may need to tweak it a little bit with your, your, you may need to tweak a little bit with your portion control and that could help uh, by that. But I generally as a rule of thumb, what I work with an awful lot of clients and I always have these in the welcome packs, is if you're looking for kind of portion control for, for things, a really useful thing, if you Google precision nutrition portion plate yeah plate portion uh what can happen is it kind of looks like I think of like half the plate is colour which is veggies and fruit onto the plate and then you look at it's a palm of protein then it's a thumb of fat and then it's it's kind of like a cup of carbs that's generally what a recommendation of kind of a, a portion on a plate could look like so that again is half a plate of veggies then you've got a palm of protein thumb of fats And then you've generally got an upper hand of a kind of like a handful of um, carbohydrates. That's generally if you don't want to do that 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 way. The the, the one that like if you're a bodybuilder and stuff, it's going to be the small little minute things that are going to aid you. So measuring and weighing food can help. But it also comes with a caveat. Not, Not everyone should be like counting calories in general. So if you're finding it not like not working for you, trying to aim for a more regular meals could help you. So the the, the, the trick with it is it's, it's kind of like finding it, if it's adding to your life or taking away from your life. Generally my fitness pal should only be for a short time. Like I haven't used it in a very, very long time. And generally if someone's going on a course, it can help them to kind of make themselves more aware of it. It's an education tool. And once you've entered in the information once, it's like most people eat the same things Monday to Thursday. It's Friday, Saturday and Sunday where variety comes in. So once it's entered in once, it's it's entered into your database and you can just kind of go to your favorites and kind of log it that way. If you want to weigh your food, weigh your food. The one thing that I would say is if you're weighing your food, um, it's important to kind of. I would probably rec. It's kind of then the question of should you weigh the food cooked or uncooked. I would it. I would say it doesn't really matter. You just need to be consistent with one and like there's a massive difference in going from chopping and changing from uncooked to cooked so for example like 200 grams of uncooked rice equals 600 grams of cooked rice 400 grams raw chicken breast equals 300 grams cooked chicken breast and 125 grams of uncooked oats equals 250 grams of uh, cooked oats so there's a massive difference in the the calories in that so I would normally do it uh, kind of like raw or yeah, before you put it into anything, Uh, because generally boiled foods like rice, pasta, oats, and veggies, they tend to absorb water, and then that increases the weight and the size, and then protein sources tend to lose water, and that generally increases or decreases the weight and the size as well. So whichever method works for you on that side of things, that's a general recommendation. But if if, if you don't want to weigh your food, and you're still seeing the, the progress going along, do it until until you hit a wall with it um but it's not 100 accurate in general so it's just like if 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 you're finding that a few you know, if you want to do it do it if you don't want to do it do it there's no right or wrong answer on that side of things um so the next question i have is um when tiredness is affecting concentration, craving food for energy, etc., should I increase? So this is a great question from one of the clients in the group I have been working with for a while now, and I looked at the sheet straight away uh, when they did their check-in, and one of the biggest things that I spotted on their check-in for themselves, and they know who they are uh, when when they kind of listen to this or listen back, is. I was kind of like, right, look at the stage of your cycle. So the, the the stage of the cycle they were at was kind of coming into like the week before. So the week before your cycle, you'll probably need a little bit more energy So, track your cycle and you'll be able to spot exactly a trend of when you need more food, when you may need to decrease your workouts, or you may need to decrease the workload that you're doing, or that you might need to get more sleep. So I looked at that sheet straight away. I looked at those three different things that I kind of looked at, right? Number one was they were kind of coming up towards their menstrual cycle. So the general recommendation would be 300 calories extra because it's not that you're craving food. It's your body is looking for, it's not that you're craving carbs, not that you're craving chocolate or anything like that. You're look, your body's looking for more food because the metabolism is sped up. The body is kind of like a car. It's kind of going on overdrive. It's revving, revving, revving. I'm using more fuel and it becomes less efficient to to burn that fuel so it try, has to work that a little bit harder in order to do it so it's looking for that little bit of a top up in fuel or food in order to get through that kind of week or those three to seven days whatever it may be it could be one day it could be three days it could be seven days whatever it may be so it's important to look at if you are looking for more energy around that time in your cycle bring it up to three to five hundred calories if you need it focus on getting a little bit more fats because your body becomes a little bit more fat adapted, so it looks for a little bit more fats, look at more protein, whole-grain carbohydrates because they keep you fuller, add more fruit and veggies, so that could help. Then I also looked at what their sleep was like. So the client that I'm talking about now, I'm not gonna mention names because it's not fair, but their sleep is about six hours. So generally we need about seven to nine hours of sleep. So I would look at, right, there's something off with the sleep routine. So it looks like they're either scrolling on their phone, they're just staying up late, they're just not going to bed, they're drinking caffeine too late in the evening, and that could be having a knock-on effect, that could be why they're tired. So it could be their lifestyle that could be uh, of a hindrance as well for them. Then there's the other element of it is right there, are they drinking enough water? A lot of people are struggling to drink water. So if you're looking at the live that I have now, one of the big things that I'm that's helping me to drink water is making sure that I am getting like the dilute or the mywadi, the sugar-free one, to add a little bit of taste to make me drink that a little bit more water because it is cold. And if we're cold, we're not exactly going to want more cold drinks. We want warm drinks that are going to help us. So you could get like camel teas, all that kind of stuff. So if you're not having enough water that can make you feel more, more lethargic water can help with concentration also your menstrual cycle may impact on your concentration levels are you having regular meals throughout the day are you not having enough food during the, in the morning lunch and dinner or Are you leaving long, long gaps between your meals are you getting enough food into you in general are you not getting enough protein are you not getting enough veggies or or minerals are you stressed there's loads of different things. So what I would probably recommend is if it's your menstrual cycle, top up your your calories. If you're going through a very stressful time, you're not sleeping properly, it will make it a lot more difficult to lose weight. Why? Because if we get stressed, there's two responses. We don't eat enough or we go into the other response of it kind of makes us, the hunger hormone goes into overdrive. So... If the hunger hormone goes into overdrive, we're going to want more food. And generally the foods that we go for at that stage are the likes of the quick fixes, like the carbohydrates, sugars, fats, the processed foods. There's nothing wrong with those foods, but they are highly high calories and they're quick fixes. So... Once we get them into our bodies, our body's blood sugars will spike up and then they'll crash back down. So we're going to want them very, very quickly again, rather than going, right, let's get a meal of decent protein. Let's get some water in. And we're not like when you're very tired, you don't want to do any of that. Like I'm fully aware of that. So a really handy thing to have in the house is, right, get some Greek yogurt, get some a couple of squares of dark chocolate, put a little bit of fruit into it and have that as a snack. Big question I always say to clients is, are you hungry enough for fruit? That's generally a safe question. If you're hungry enough for fruit, you're generally hungry. Um, and it kind of reduces picking, it reduces emotional eating, it helps to reduce an awful lot of things. So should you reduce your calories when tiredness is Figure out what's going on. If it's your cycle, increase your calories. If it's like a, a time where it's life's really, really busy with work and deadlines, you probably need to increase your calories a little bit as well. Uh, you Look at your water, look at your stress, look at your sleep. And if you feel you need the extra calories, I would just look at, am I getting regular meals in? If you need the more calories, increase them um, and see what you can. Just be careful you're not under eating. I looked at the calories for the client here and they aren't under eating. The protein needs a little bit of work. The sleep is probably the issue and the menstrual cycle is probably where it's at. And that could be, and maybe the water, is could be a factor there as well. Uh, so that could be the answer to that. The last question is a really really interesting question is is all cardio built equally? And are you better off getting steps in daily, or if you struggle with that adding more intense cardio workouts at end of workouts? So I'm gonna answer the latter half of that question first, which is are you better off getting steps in daily, or if you struggle with that adding more intense? It's whatever works for you. You're like you're a sum of your averages. It's kind of like when you when you get money. It's kind of like it's what you spend over time and what you get in over time that's gonna like it's gonna benefit you or hinder you. So if you're struggling to get steps in, and say if you're someone who's on around 3,000 steps a day or 2,000 steps a day, I would just try to get three and add on a thousand steps, just add on more walks. Like your body can't tell if it's from going outside for a walk, whether it's potting around the house, whether it's actually chasing the kids, whether it's going from the car to the getting the stairs at work or whatever it may be. So it's very different things that like, if the body is clever, but it's not that clever. So a simple way that I'm using currently for myself is I'm breaking my walks into a few walks. So rather than putting the pressure on myself to get a long walk in the day, I'm breaking it into segments of getting one half in the morning and one half after work. It helps me to de-stress coming into work because we're more, our bodies are more stressed in the morning so I also at the minute when I on my walk home I get to see the sunrise on the way back home and it kinda it's nice, it's a nice way to start the day. Um and it kinda calms you down. In the evenings after work, after a busy day, I'll go for a walk before dinner just to kind of loosen out the body, just to get a little bit more energy. I always find that I've way more energy when I come back. Um and it, it's epic. So look at it from a weekly average, I would say, and see where you're at. Um you probably need to maybe Look at right adding around 3,000 steps a day, bringing up to 4,000 steps a day, maybe doing small regular breaks throughout the day and getting your walk in that could help. Getting off the bus earlier, getting off the train or the tram or the dart earlier, whatever it may be. Um, so are you better adding more intense workouts at the end of your workouts? Like, I'm I'm here, I've changed my mind an awful lot on this. I used to be like, and I was this is very naive and new of me at the very beginning was just do your workouts like cardiovascular fitness is huge you need to have some sort of cardiovascular fitness because there's no point in being have all these muscle and not being able to get up the stairs and having no energy and being out of breath chasing your kids there's absolutely no need like there's absolutely no point so having some sort of cardiovascular fitness so if you have the energy to do a set, like do your cardio after your workouts um there's no added benefit To it other than cardiovascular fitness, and maybe just getting a sweat on, but that's not an added benefit. That's just what may be a benefit for some, but it shouldn't be the goal of a workout. So there's no added benefit. We don't burn that many calories through exercise in general. If you think about it like a chocolate bar, We only burn about 10 to 15 percent of the calories that we do on a daily basis, about 10 percent through exercise. So it's not a whole amount, we don't burn that many calories. Doesn't matter what the watch says or your heart rate monitor says, we don't burn that many. Well, actually, it burns more calories through digesting food. So your nutrition is going to make the biggest difference. If you want to, if you're most of my clients train probably three days a week, if you want to add in a finisher or do something like that at the end of a session, by all means. If you're looking for your steps, look at it as a weekly average. Um, that could help you. But if you're having to put on a massive amount of focus on a Sunday to get your steps up to a massive, massive amount, you may be taking too much, put pr- too much pressure on yourself to get it. Seven, seven and a half thousand steps is generally the sweet point. It's not the 10,000. 10,000 is the marketing term. Uh, so it's seven, seven and a half thousand. So that's generally you need around kind of like 45 minutes to an hour of movement a day. So that, that's that's between walking around the house, that's from going outside, that's from going to the shop, that's from maybe picking up the kids, that's from whatever it may be. Um, so if you if you break it up into, if you 45 minutes to an hour, that could be 20 minute walk in the morning, 20 minute walk in the evening, that's 40 minutes straight away. So like it can be done, uh, you just may need to plan your day a little bit more, um, if you want. Generally a lot of the things when we say we haven't got enough time, it's generally an expectation issue. And a values issue, and we say expectation, and what I mean by that is we expect that we need to have to go for a walk like for an hour and a half every day, but if you break it up into smaller chunks, you're still going to get that goal at the end of the day. It's generally what we think is the t- the amount of time that we need to do a task puts us off doing anything um and we procrastinate because we feel unsafe, we feel a little bit ticked off with the whole thing um but all cardio isn't built um isn't built equally there are different types there's different systems to it um and there's there's different energy systems in the body like there's the anaerobic uh, a lactic there's anaerobic lactic and there's the aerobic and the main difference between these energy systems is the duration and intensity of the exercise and type of energy source uh, it uses so when a lot of people use the definition or describe cardio they they think of long duration lower intensity movement and this works the kind of the third system which is the aerobic energy system and then there's a place for that if you're kind of like an endurance athlete and you're able to recover but if someone's not able to recover then they're going to find it a little bit more difficult so it can play a role in cardiovascular fitness so i would include some of it but it's, it's like if someone's coming from zero to here and you're only starting out You don't really need to worry about trying to change your whole life. That's the hardest part for a lot of people. A lot of people get overwhelmed because they try to change everything and they end up changing nothing. And that's where people kind of get bogged down in it. But if you focus on, right, can I nail my two or three sessions a week consistently for, say, the month of January? Generally, this is the 17th of January right now. Yesterday, the 16th of January is where most people give up on their diets because they're too restrictive and they're normally the wrong tactic they've normally involved some element of food restriction the mindset they've given up on the gym at this stage so generally most people have given up by now and that's that's hard to say and hard to hear um but the benefit of having a coach can help you to create some sort of strategy and structure to help you with that so focus on a lot of people will focus on taking things out of their life. Why not add things into your life, right? I'm getting, I'm adding in two or three um, sessions of weights or walking into my calendar. That's adding something in, right? Once I've nailed that, I'm going to add in an extra hour of sleep. So I'm going to go to bed a little bit earlier. And once I've done that for a full week, tick, tick. Right, what I'm going to do now, all right, I'm going to focus on getting protein on all, all my main meals. Tick, 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 three weeks gone and you've improved three things in your life. So rather than trying to change everything, focus on one thing, um, and it will really really help. So yeah, there, like is our all cardio built equally? No, there's different functions and different things, um, at, at, at for for different people and different goals. The important thing is to ask yourself. Um, you need to decide in your goal. So, what are you really trying to do with the cardio? Are you trying to lose fat? Are you trying to stay lean? Are you looking to improve athletic performance? And like if you aren't an endurance athlete, you probably don't need to do the long duration, low intensity sessions. So then once you figure out your goal, then you can make a plan, start with a schedule, and you can figure out your schedule to accomplish it. So maybe it's adding one session of cardio in at the each week. Um, maybe it's adding in a little bit higher intensity walks into your week, but you need to figure out what your goal is. So I would always say walking is probably the most underrated tool that anyone has in their arsenal when it comes to losing weight. Why? It gets your mood better, helps you sleep better, it breaks up the day, helps your cognitive function better. Um and it also we it it's it just gets the body moving that little bit more and it's low impact. Um and you don't need any equipment. It's one of the most underrated tools. Because there's a certain amount of calories that we look at, but I hate looking at exercise away at burning calories. Like it's it's not helpful to anyone. It's not helpful because we there's no way those calorie counters are accurate. Like even the most accurate is probably about the numbers change maybe thirty to forty to fifty percent inaccurate. Now if you lost fifty percent of your salary, you'd you'd know it. So you're better off just looking at a way of how many sessions do I need to do to get to my goal. So the way that I'm doing it currently at the minute is, right, my goal at the minute is trying to put on a little bit of muscle. So what I'm trying to get to do at the minute is I am trying to get three weights out, three full body weight sessions a week. And then I have football outside of it. So I have one night of football training and then I have one match. So I have two rest days and then I walk outside. That might seem a lot for some people, but that's me having built that up. That's not me starting from scratch. The walking was always my number one. So I add on top of that three gym sessions into my week. So I book those into my week. Then what my other goal is to try and have that cardiovascular fitness. So I do that on a Wednesday night and then I'm a match on a Saturday and then I'm a zombie on a Sunday. So I don't do a whole lot other than go for a walk on a Sunday to help my ease my the, the soreness in my legs. And then I get back to some sort of routine on the Monday. We're kind of going for a walk on a Monday morning and then I kind of go to the gym probably at lunchtime on a Monday. But that's me having built that up. That's not me going from complete scratch. I've thought about the goal long and hard. I have a proper goal this year for like August and September. And that's my long-term goal. So I've got eight, nine months and I lead into that. And I've worked it around how many sessions do I want to hit in order to get to my goal? What do I need to do to get to my goal? Too many people will try to do too many things and not have any action. They'll procrastinate because they don't feel safe. They don't feel safe with the kind of like element of like fear of failure, but you end up failing because you haven't started. So it's kind of counterintuitive. You feel unsafe and that's why we procrastinate as humans. Um, so all cardio is not built equally. We'll look at it, kind of your steps as a adding on steps. So if you're on 3000 steps a day is an example, bring it up to 4000 steps, start small. Look, it counts all movements. Do cardio at the end of your workouts if you wish. If you're brand new to things, you probably don't need to. If you're sleepy or stress is completely and utterly way off. You may not need to do it at the moment. Look at what bringing that in maybe when your life kind of calms down. So there's loads there, like plateau with squat. That might have been too technical for some people, and I sincerely apologize for that. Um... The other thing was apple cider vinegar. Is it okay not to weigh with my fitness pal or all cardio? And should I increase my calories uh, if the concentration craving food, all that kind of stuff? So hopefully that helps. And then next week we already have the questions in. And it's gonna be a main focus and kind of um, kind of fear of nights out, kind of menopause and weight loss. Uh, there's also gonna be other elements of stretching after workouts, uh, negatives to training late, and is it not okay to eat or is it okay to eat after 11 a.m.? So there's a load of different things. There's going to be more questions as they kind of come in. So if you enjoyed the live at all, leave a comment below. If there's any questions on it, leave a comment below. And if you're listening to it as a podcast, I really do hope you have enjoyed the episode and I really do hope you have found it useful. Um. So yeah, hope everyone is good. And if you can leave a review on the the um the podcast, that would be amazing.